0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Rodeo Time, the podcast. We are at the grounds of Huntsville. I'm down here with two um, traveling partners of mine, Jeremy Ray Melanson, Ross Sherrod. Hey. Ross Sherrod, not Sherrod. (laughs) So both you guys had hard names to pronounce. Melanson, Melankin, Sherrod, Sherrod. But um, they got it done. I mean, just so long as they spell it right on the check, right? That's it. Yeah. We're, uh, we're at the grounds of Huntsville. It is, um, if you're planning on going to Sam Houston or if you just live in the area and you need somewhere to live, the grounds is the place to be. Um, I think they they were roping last night. There was like 30 people out here team roping, cutting up again tonight. Do they rope every night? Man, some of them do. Some of some them, of them do. do. Yeah. So there's uh one, one, one bedroom, one bath with horse stalls behind them. There's duplexes with horse stalls behind them. There's just a barn if you just need a place for a horse. There's a 12-plex if yeah. you don't need a run. So, um, you built this from the ground up. What year did you start it?
1: 2015. You got to do something if you don't win enough money rodeoing. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. But now, yeah, we uh, we were going to build one duplex that year. And the banker went and talked to you and said, Well, why don't you just start with two duplexes? I was like, Why don't we start with two duplexes? Yeah, that's a good you idea. Know? So, yeah, we started there and. Uh, Forty-two units later, seventy-eight horse stalls, pastures everywhere, two arenas. It's been a
0: pretty cool project. And so you guys, and you've got Turnkey Metal Buildings. That's how who helped build it. Yeah, back then we were Turnkey Metal Buildings. We we're just building
1: metal buildings. Um, that's evolved into Turnkey Custom Homes, Turnkey Home Consulting. So we do kind
0: of all parts of it. And then uh, you kind of stepped away from management, but now you're back into managing it.
1: Yeah, oh. we're going we're gonna to play a hand in managing it um, just directly under the owner to come up with a kind of a partnership model of managing the property as a, you know, as an on-site team uh, that works directly through the owner instead of third-party management companies. Gotcha. Um, Keep somebody on-site, just kind of help build back a community vibe, you know, and have yeah. somebody here
0: works yeah. out pretty well. So check that out. If you're in Huntsville, that's where we're going to be um, filming these next couple of podcasts. Um, We've got Mr. Ross is going to offer some really great insight on some of the similarities between going to war and getting on a bucking horse. Believe it or not, there are some similarities there. So one, the stakes are a lot higher than the other (laughs) newsflash. It's not the bucking horses. So We're going to hear some war stories literally and figuratively and um, now on to the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Rodeo Time Podcast. Got in the house, Mr. Jeremy Melanson, Ross Sherrod, and Dale Brisby.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Did we all three ever go to a rodeo together? Surely.
2: I, we had to have. Like in the same vehicle or just at? Well, I know we I were mean, there all at the same time. All, but all often. Yeah. Yeah. Often I know I know that I've been in the vehicle with you and Carly and also in the vehicle with you obviously. But I don't know if we have
1: we may not have like just
0: the three traveled of to the rodeo just the three of us together. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I've traveled with you, I've traveled with you. And then you guys have pro- you guys have definitely probably traveled probably together
1: so. to yeah. something. Yeah. I had a hard time remembering the things that I was supposed to remember to be a good bronc rider, much less the smaller details, like forget a horse that you got on last week kind of deal.
2: So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I went, I saw this weekend, we went to uh Henrietta. Um, Donnie got on in Henrietta and I saw Josh Bubba. Hudson. Oh yeah. I called him Bubba. I said, who calls you Bubba anymore? And he said, not very many people. It's about the, about about the nine of us that were hanging around back in, college rodeo days and then uh up walked marv marvin alderman Alderman, yeah so he's still selling cars he said like candy bars (laughs) (laughs) he uh he did grit out a dirty rotten bareback course and maybe just because he's so little you little guys riding bareback courses make them look rank he bucked down about seven yeah but man it just made me grimace
2: what, uh, who had it? Bob. Bob.
0: I mean, it was a good horse. It was a rank horse. Like, yeah. I mean, you, I mean you, he was going to win the rodeo, but it was, oh man. It wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a horse thing. It was just an event thing. Like bareback riding in general is what made my, my back hurt. Thinking about it.
2: Yeah. Still gets me up in the morning. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got just up out of nowhere. Two of my interns, Carson and Kevin, were like, apparently, been sneaking around getting on spur boards. Kevin's been wanting to ride bareback. Carson's been wanting to ride Bronx. So now I'm doing that. Kevin Wayne Reed's wanting to ride bareback horses. Ooh. So I'm about to have a bareback riding intern.
2: Is he, does he have the switch? Because I mean, he, he's a pretty relaxed guy. A hundred, yeah. Normally, like, yeah.
0: the most relaxed. Yeah,
2: very <laughs> relaxed. So, much like myself got to have that switch to turn it on
0: that's what i that's what i've been trying can to be help.
2: relaxed is relaxed can be and then turn that switch turn that switch on i you know what like in here over the recent past like watching guys on the cowboy channel like especially in the bareback riding but i think the guy that i've seen that is the most calm that I have ever seen anybody ever be in the shoot, in the middle of the ride, anything, is probably Cole Reiner. Like you can look at that guy in the face and he just looks like he's I don't sitting yeah. on the couch at the house. Like And then he and then he spurs the dog out of one. <laughs>
1: so so after working with with a few guys like getting started as we you know, as we went on it is something that they're like real tensed up when they start, right? So yeah. you you tell them, hey, you know, relax a little bit. But I remember back when I started, the guy who was helping me was like, hey, now just get in there and, and be relaxed. I was like, okay, you know, and I would just be like super relaxed and then nod my head and then just like dirt would slap me <laughs> in the side of the face. I'm like, well, we'll try again. I'll relax a little more this time. You know, it took me forever to realize, like, you're going to have to try really hard to do this successfully at what, all.
0: Where was he coming from? Like, did
1: he just have not be so tensed up and okay. jerk on the horse's head? Like, don't pick your rein up hard. Don't like Had gee, you done that. Like, no, I'd never been on a bronc. You know, like he's putting me on my first Maybe few broncs. Had. Maybe or maybe he, like yeah. just working with people getting started. You know they were uh, real yeah, tense up and scared or up. rough yeah. or you know whatever. And so I was you're like, just like, like you're all about right. to play a video game. Just gonna be relaxed and nod my head. And then that horse would leave with everything <laughs> it had, and I would just slap the ground I'm like try again. And I'm sure he was like, man, this guy has no try
0: at all. You know, and I was like, I'm no, relax, relax, man. <laughs> you told me to relax. No, I told, uh, whenever I was getting trying to get on bareback horses. Uh, Pop pointed out Wes Stevenson, mm-hmm. and we were watching the NFR one night, and the uh, the camera was like, you know, up in their grill, and Wes was riding, and and, I, and uh, he was like, right there, he was talking about that switch, and he was like, right there, his own mother wouldn't recognize who he is, you know, and yeah. obviously she can see him, but the point is, is like who he turns into right then to go to the place. He was like, that's what you got to do. And I couldn't, I could do it occasionally on the right kind of horse. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you remember like Longview. Yeah. I went to, I, I got on Shady Lady of Sammy Andrews, which maybe even you remember mm. that bareback horse. But just a, the most hopper. He's Sammy's hopper in the bareback riding.
2: Super hopper. Yeah, Made
0: me feel like a bareback rider. Yeah. And it was raining. You know, Tilden, all them guys were there. We were it was fun, yeah. you know. Longview, of course it was raining. Yeah. It,
1: oh yeah. But it was fun.
0: And I tried to go back the next year. I was like, I gotta enter Longview, same night, everything. Right next to my name, Cool Water. <laughs> 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 I called Jake Brown. <laughs> I said, What is Cool Water? And he just started laughing. <laughs> he just started laughing.
2: And uh did he say don't go get on him, or did you just? Oh uh,
0: I mean, I w- at the time I wasn't going to do that. That wasn't yeah. an option for me. Right. Mentally, yeah. Looking back, I absolutely should have put my rigging on Craigslist, and I should have not gone and got on him. But Jacob slapped him out. He's like, "Man, I thought you were going to die." <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is like I got to where I was so terrified of those those horses that I uh, I couldn't turn the switch on as good, you know. yeah i just just didn't want to get on bareback horses check out DaleBrisby.com for the new rodeo time apparel old son we got a lot of new shirts and caps on DaleBrisby.com. it's hoodie season
1: when i got the call from the secretary at los fresnos said hey are you coming tomorrow it's 12th in the short round so there's no money no nothing. I thought I'd get bumped Wait, are you out. Now
0: you're talking about Tucson. Oh yeah, Tucson. Yeah, sorry. Yo, we, what were, we were at? <laughs> There's not a short. Yeah, short yeah, yeah.
1: No Tucson. <laughs> That's right. uh, so we were in what? Senton. Yeah, Senton. South Texas. So you and Tate and me, yep. we we weren't in our rig though. We ended up driving somebody else's rig up there. I don't Had know. Leave who, it I don't know rodeo. how we
0: got. We went up to Bradley Harder. We caught her out. with okay, Bradley Harder up, there. Caught her out. We drove Jesse Bales. Minivan back.
1: Yeah. So going, don't know the horse, don't know anything. Just uh, absolutely, you're going to make the, you're going to go to the short round. You know, yeah. what, what are you going to do when they call? Yes. Yeah, so why you, did you even call me? Yeah. What? yeah so why thanks for letting call? me know. You know, I should, probably should have called. So we head to um, Tucson and I get there and have Fancy Pants, which is the, you know, been the horse of the year, bucked everybody off, yeah. you know, all that. Well, I don't know the horses I'm supposed yeah. to know. Yeah. So, I call Sterling and ask him what Fancy Pants is and he gets so excited before he's fixing to tell me that I've done drawn this dragon breathing you know fire (laughs) breathing dragon whatever and the phone cuts out his phone died and so I have no idea you know I have no idea that I'm getting on this amazing (laughs) animal right until much like I did when I relaxed too much my face hit the dirt in the shoot they're like hey we have to get you out of the way to close the gate kind of deal and it was a long evening after that so it was
0: such a long evening Dale and Tate went artie, up there with us artie meyer rory rory meyer and Leroy. what bar was that well oh, we y'all. started
1: at the uh at the beer tent like at the started hospitality at the tent like we were tent. eating and they showed up because we had to wait for the bull riding to be over or we'd have been out of there at like you know not very oh, far had to
2: wait on them Dude. And they were wanting to party, and we, we went to a leave. bar. We
1: went to a restaurant while First they were in we a bar. A
0: freaking uh, what's a in front of you? Yeah, hibachi. <laughs> it ta- they don't <laughs> and we ain't in there forever. quick No, we slow quick. roll the
1: dinner because we no, we finally went to sleep in the van, waiting on them to come out, and we they
0: close it down. We, then we went to the bar after hibachi, and and Leroy, Rory, and Artie closed down this place because they got two. Designated drivers. Oh yeah, yeah, and they probably didn't get bucked off in the gate, so they <laughs> were still pumped up. <laughs> they probably we left won a Tucson, morning. Arizona. Came back to Texas. We left Tucson at two in the morning.
1: Yep, and I was done by two in the afternoon. Yeah, right?
2: we was like, right oh, after. It rodeo, was, so yeah, like, that's right. right. Oh, it was because it, it was an day. afternoon. Yeah. It was a matinee party. We could have been
0: in Texas by the time by we 2 left a. Arizona. By the time yes. Arizona? Yeah, had it been just like me and you,
1: right? Dude, we just drove up there to saddle and fall off fancy pants in the gate. I wasn't That's, even entered. Right.
2: <laughs> so, so and then, and then waited and then waited on everybody to go to the bar and then drive yes, home. It was the only
1: thing. It took me a year to make that where it wasn't soured up because I drew that horse in the long round the following year and won the rodeo. So it worked out. At that, it ended at that up time. working out. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I, I drew a hopper from rt in the short round and didn't have to you know didn't have to risk the short round as bad
0: what'd you did you win the whole rodeo
1: yeah then you win the whole yeah that's what i thought yeah so that was cool and then it was fancy pants that was like a rematch in the long round And so i think only three bron i think she only had three scores on her redemption it could be wrong but total yeah total i think she was only ridden three times cody wright me and somebody else who me and uh, somebody else aren't name worthy like Cody Wright. so <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> what, uh, how many was you ooh that's a good question probably 80 81 something like that yeah maybe that might have been the short i might have i might have been higher than that uh and it might have been the short round that i was it, it uh, the sh, like the the guy coming into the short round i think Dawson Jandrew came in winning the the long round and he drew fancy pants to to you know and she did get him in the short round but yeah
0: because
1: uh, they told me to go get on the victory of that horse i was like no if he rides this horse at, at all like he's he's sitting better he's riding great yeah. and the horse is good but it worked out
0: uh remember when we went to athens and uh there was like, supposed to be like a lot of added money, and then right at the at the oh, last yeah. minute, they changed it. Mm-hmm. But they still had these. They had Frontier. They had Stace. They had I me and you were in the bareback. And uh, we both had not been on very many bareback horses. And we I had just gotten our... Medicine woman.
2: Oh, my goodness. And I got on... Memphis King. Yeah.
0: Big black horse.
2: And yeah. I took... The rigging handle off the side of my face. Yeah, you had blood <laughs> on it your knocked, face. Yeah, not
0: hide off the side of my face. Because I was out of a left hand delivery and you were out of a right hand delivery.
2: Yeah, I think you went first, and he Supermaned <laughs> this, this me, one armed me, and went straight down over the top. And this Memphis King, big it. black horse, did stretch out, and I just I was
0: like, we shouldn't have been there. But they switched <laughs> it. It was like. Bunch of money added, and then at the last minute they switched it to like fifteen hundred, but they didn't change. Like they still had all these awesome horses going, so it was like circuit guys like us. But they, but then there were these stacked pin, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, originally
2: we weren't gonna, we wouldn't have entered it had it been a, you know, $5, a 000, six six thousand dollar added.
1: Man, I remember that one year, me and Carly drove over there by herself, and they had on the sign that like Friday night was you know cross canadian ragweed or something and then saturday night with somebody that she didn't care for as much i guess and um she was like man why didn't you enter it yesterday so that we could watch them you know that would have been so much cooler and like kind of got <laughs> on me joking around but got on me for not entering it that friday i come back out to the car and she's getting ready to get out i went up there to like pay my fees and stuff you know or just whatever and i come back and i was like well we can head to the house if you don't want to watch the rodeo. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I actually was entered last night. So, <laughs> so I listened to it all the way home. That like, you even entered the right night for the concert. I wanted to watch. It just didn't come. And it's like, man, i just dumb things. Like drove all the way to Athens to know that I was like, oh, we turned you out last night. So then I've got non-notified turnout fines to pay. It costs me oh, like, you know, three or four hundred dollars to not go to that rodeo.
2: Yeah, the uh-huh. PRCA, they'll get you for a non, non-notified non turnouts. So uh, rightly so. Just freaking
0: uh, Fort Worth. Remember me, you, TJ, we all entered Rio Rancho, uh-huh. and I was the only one that got in. So instead of just freaking turning out like I should have, me and Leroy drive out yeah. there, and uh, and then we all nighted it to Fort Worth. It was my first time to be in Fort Worth, and I was in the bareback riding. And uh, – you got to get on like seven horses in the bareback riding <laughs> in Fort Worth. Like you got to get on like four perfs. Well, apparently I was doubled up over Rio Rancho for my first one, which I didn't know because it was like my first time to ever be, you know, in the bareback riding, whatever, and not paying attention.
2: How many times are they going to put my name on this list? And, yeah, so good. Well, I, think, yeah so, I think back then it was three. You got yeah, on it three. was It was three. Yeah. It wasn't
0: seven, but it was three. But everything else was like two. Everybody else got on two. So I show up. To get on my second one, which I thought was my first one, and uh, I go in there to pay my fees, and Neil Gay, they're talking about me. I don't, I I realize they are. They don't realize it's me. But he was just like, I don't understand why they can't just call, you know. Like, and, and I was like, Yeah, He's a bunch of rookies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. talking about me, and uh, I was like, Yeah, I need to pay my fees, and but you know. Fortunately, you don't pay your non-notified turnout fines right there. Yeah, but <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, bunch of losers, pay attention." <laughs> but that was when I learned about
2: checking my checking yo. <clears throat> well, they used to they used to come in on email, like they would send us an email, and then but then you'd call also. So if you didn't get the email, you'd have to call. Right, but. I think, how does it work now? I mean, I get text messages and stuff. Yeah, I get text messages. I don't even have a card, and I get text messages. (laughs) I think I think almost all of the entries are online now, aren't they? I mean, like, do you even call anymore?
1: I didn't really enter myself when I was rodeoing, so Jacob or Dale pretty much handled that. So that I mean, it was hard for me to go to the ones that I was entered in, much less keep it straight. There, towards
2: when he started kind of dwindling down. He was entering all these rodeos, and you'd see it. You'd go to the rodeo and see his name on there, but he wouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, in the beginning, I went if I was entered.
1: I didn't turn anything out, but after
0: at the end, it was tough to actually show up. It was. It's like it's like whenever you're tall's age over here, and Uh I remember every time I went to the donut stop with my old man, like I would get like six donuts. Sprinkles, get the cinnamon roll, get all of them, get the bear claw, all of it, and I'd eat like one of them every single time. That's Jeremy with rodeos. Yep. Oh yeah, (laughs) because it's easy. Like three weeks out, you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna drive down to Los Fresnos, nine hours. i I'll do that. Yeah, Mercedes, put me down. And the
2: morning (laughs) of, you're like,
1: "Mm." Uh, dude, we were fired up one year, and and Jacobs comes that we were rodeoing. It was our, uh, it was me and Sterling's rookie year. It was, and we were rodeoing with England in the in the. Yeah. Uh, Cody Anglin was riding with us. And so Jacobs comes to us one y'all, day. Y'all and, weren't
0: in the ambulance yet.
1: Yeah. We had the ambulance oh, out there, right. but uh, Anglin had a old brownie. He had a brown Good Times van. So we had the ambulance and the brown van, and it took both of them to rodeo all summer because neither we never had both of them running at one time. Yeah, the, was yeah the brown van, broken down. it ran way more than the ambulance, but you yeah. know they still had their things. So Jacobs comes to us, and he's like, look, y'all, we, we've got an open spot in our schedule we're we're in salt lake spanish fork and you know i don't remember what the other one was in utah you know maybe maybe ogden or something I, they were all three together though And he said and we have a day off in between if y'all want to enter woodward Dude, it was early and we weren't even in utah yet you know yeah. so it's just a place on a map to us we're like yes enter us up let's do this you know And so after Salt Lake, me and Sterling are sitting in the uh, hospitality tent, eating whatever they had there. And Jacobs comes in in this rush, like, what are y'all doing? Get in the van. Like, what are you talking about? You know, he said, we got to be in Woodward. 17 hours, straight through, horses loaded. And so we run up, get on the horses, you know, uh, we ride. Actually, thank goodness, because I didn't want a dollar in Utah, but I want second in Woodward, so that worked out, you know. But my mom was running barrels in Woodward. And I I hollered at her, said, hey, we got to go, you know, and I didn't get to see her run or anything. So we were only in Woodward for like a very short period of time. Like 30 minutes. We were in the same rush when we got back to, you know, Spanish Fork or whatever it was. It was was, was a very bad idea. Like at that time, we'd been rodeoing for what, three weeks longer than we had when we made the sketch, you know, when Jacobs asked us. So we were not so gung ho yeah. <laughs> to leave Saw Lake that night as we were when he was just hypothetically yeah, asking if we ago. wanted to fill a, a spot yeah, in the that schedule. That thirty-six
0: hours would have been good to just rest. Dude. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just rodeo. I'd have been broker, but yeah, it would have been good to right. just rest. So yeah. yeah, just rodeoing. Yeah, just rodeo. Just going. You and Stir though, that's like y'all are the perfect traveling partners for JC.
1: Yeah, don't get in the way of his entering or where he wants to go. Just nod. Try to, you know, try to be there and awake and all that.
0: And really, like, he's probably got a pretty good plan anyway. <sighs> yeah,
1: you know, he's absolutely, he's, he's got the plan. Like, we we would have just screwed the plan no up. no point in trying oh. to
0: come up with your own plan. Yeah, so I don't know if we were perfect just for let, JC or just go with his. JC was perfect
1: for us, but either way. Yeah, well, maybe both. we would have been better at paying attention to things if we'd had to, but yeah. probably not. We probably would have just been less
2: successful than we were. <laughs> I think he, I think he adds, he can add other people into his plan along the way. Hey, if you will roll with his plan. Yeah. He, Cause he, he'll call he'll you. Me. He'll call you if you're somewhere and be like, Hey, uh, come pick me up at the airport. <laughs> or like if you're at a rodeo or wherever, Hey, can you drop me off at the airport or like, yeah, you know, I got this planned out. You know. Perfect.
1: I'm going to fly in at this date. You're going to swing in and grab me on your way through. And it's like, and you yeah. just like act like this, this person's just giving you their plan. You're, you were interested in it. Okay. I got yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing now. Yeah. It was speaking of old nicknames, uh, that people haven't been called in a while. So we went to the lake last weekend. And so Lauren Jacobs and Gordy and, um, Okay, we're gonna have to edit out that it took me that long to find Lottie's name. So, (laughs) Uh, and then me and me and Carly and Slevin and Scarlet. So we've got our kids, we got our families. You know, we 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 they come down here. We take the the boat out, and uh, uh, Cordy was trying to figure out my name, and Jacob stopped and was like, "That's Captain Queso." Because he's got a boat. So is it. so the entire weekend, I've got a five-year-old going, Captain, Captain Queso, Queso. Captain, can I drive? <laughs> of
0: course you can. <laughs> God, that's hilarious. Queso. Okay, um, the nickname went from Malanson, Procom pronounced Melanson it. is my name, so we can't really call that a nickname. But right, yeah. right. Well, how the nickname evolved yeah. started with your real name, Melanson. Yep. Melankin. Yep. Lankin. 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 Blanco. 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 Queso
1: Blanco. Queso Blanco. Queso. Queso. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a minute since I've been Queso, but I was Captain Queso. I have gotten a little bit higher on the ranking these days. I, I'm Captain Queso. Captain rank. Queso. Yeah. Until the boat broke down, and then I was other names that weren't old nickname. Uh, well, I mean, they kind of could be considered that,
2: but yeah. Dude, uh But everybody else or just your wife?
1: Well, <laughs> thankfully, somehow, like we go out, we play on the water, we stop at this little island. You know, Jacob looks a fish. You know, he, he's we like like we're having fun, right? Well, it's Lottie's nap time. We got to go back to the house, so we drop everybody off at the house. Kids are eating lunch. Lauren had said something about the wakeboard. You know, Slevin wanted a tube. I was like, we're fixing to run some fuel out of this thing. Fuel gauge doesn't work. The second hint that my boat's kind of janky. Uh, I said, "Well, I'll run it to the marina and get some fuel." Jake said, "I'm jumping with you." So we get gas at the marina. We come out of the marina. And he goes, "Hey, you got 30 minutes for fuel." So he calls and tells Lauren his plan. "Hey, y'all are good. Y'all don't need us, right?" "Okay, yeah. Well, it's going to take us about 30 minutes to get back." He said, "Go put me on the fish." So we run out to this island real quick while the kids are finished eating, and I shut it off. And he's like, "No, no, no. Scoot me up a little bit more." Never started again. Oh man. <laughs> so we've got a nine-month-old, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a six-year-old and both of our wives on this boat the rest of the weekend we had that that was the setup on the boat and that boat broke down with just me and him on it you know had a cooler had crackers he had a fishing pole we were fine yeah
0: <laughs> thank you jesus yeah did you end up getting it fixed
1: not yet oh my gosh you had to get towed back so you had to oh, ride no.
0: out the weekend without it
1: oh we left yeah, it was the end of the weekend, really, but yeah, we just cut the weekend short a little bit. Yeah, yeah no. When I so. bought it, the starter bolts were broke on it. I'm not a mechanic of any means, and within three days of me having this boat, me and my dad have the engine pulled out of it with the skid steer. We're tapping bolts. I'm YouTubing. We're changing parts out. I've got everything replaced, all the parts that I can change. Some of them needed to be. Some of them were just me trying to get it fixed, so I, I was... Pretty high on my boat, and then the starter bolts broke again. So I have an issue there that I don't really know how to do. So if any mechanics are <laughs> sure in the audience, <laughs> I need
0: a boat. Fixed. Dude, so uh, I don't know when the – well, it was Memorial Day weekend. I went to the Danny Dietz deal yeah. at uh, NRS, mm-hmm. and they had bears and bulls. And I don't I don't know why they didn't have Bronx, but it was bareback horses and – uh it was a PRCA deal, but it was just those two events and Lancaster. I mean, Cullen had it. Cullen Pickett had yeah. it, not Lancaster. And uh, anyway, um, there were two SEAL Team Six guys there. <coughs> Marcus was there, got to see Marcus. That yeah. was cool. Well, then there was so uh, DJ Shipley and Cole Fackler. Two SEAL Team 6 guys, a little bit younger than Marcus, but uh, got to meet them. I would listened to a podcast DJ was on. Super cool. Well, then we go back, and we uh, uh, are behind the chutes. And these guys come back there, and I'm talking to a few guys. And, um, dude, this DJ guy is, like, infatuated with these. Like, he's videoing every bull ride, every bareback horse. And he's, like, locked in. He's a fan of it. And uh, so I get to talking to him afterwards, and I'm a fan of what he had done because since I, having been on uh, Marcus's podcast, I read both of his books and then like nine other books, some of them by SEALs, some of them by Marines, some of them by Army guys. Like I've been going through these military books about the last 20 years that we've been at war, you know. So anyhow, I'm talking to DJ and <clears throat> having known his a little bit of his story, it was just neat to. But he was what he was talking about. It, he was, it's like, dude, it is so similar to what we were doing. Because and what he's talking about is like CQB, close quarters battle. Is that what that sounds stands for? I know it's like like clearing out rooms, you know, and everything. Yeah. So um, he said. 95% of the rooms we went into were benign was the word he used. Like they would be empty. Mm-hmm. But one of those 20 or one of those 40 would somebody would be in there. Oh, yeah. And um, so you got to come around the corner ready to fight. And he talks about it later. Like there was a video That because they started this deal, it's called GBRS Group, and they help global battlefield solutions research something where they'll train SWAT teams and stuff. And there was a little video I saw the other day where he was talking about like a bunch of like IG influencers that are like gun nuts that are talking about CQB and talking about clearing rooms, and it's all thought and theory. But you know, like he said, everybody wants to do gangsters stuff till it's time to do gangster stuff and he said you go clear out a room with somebody in it that's the most gangsters you'll ever do and he said because you're gonna get shot you're gonna get shot and uh so anyways hearing him talk about it is just crazy because that's what you guys did over there but we were talking about rodeoing and he was talking about bull riding and bronc riding and he said it's so similar but the, the situation with you guys is, it's like when you nod, there is absolutely a fight every time. Yeah. yeah. And if there's not a fight, <clears throat> you get a ride. Yeah. Matter of fact, if this one doesn't fight enough, we'll put you on another one that does. Right. You're here to fight though. Exactly. Yeah. You're here to fight. You're here to turn on that switch you were talking about earlier. But listening to him talk about it is when he rounds that corner... He's got to expect a fight, number one. And and I was talking to somebody else. Like sometimes it's the odds are way different, and it's not, you know, five percent chance that they're going to round the corner. Somebody's in it. Sometimes, like we're flying over there, and there absolutely will be a fight. Matter of fact, we're getting shot at as we land. And the thought for me is the similarity is just like when they go around, when you guys go around the corner, mm-hmm. you gotta. Um, you have to perform, and you can't let your emotions come over you. Right. So, like, same thing with getting on <sighs> bucking horses. You, you know, our first five head, you black out your emotions, oh, yeah, your you adrenaline. You don't even know what's going you on. You don't know what's going on. Like, no. if you're clearing a room under that situation, all right, you're dead. Right. You know what I mean. So, like, and then in our situation, we're bucked off, and I was like, well, and and you know, I I said that. Obvious. I was like, yeah, except the stakes aren't near as high. And no, he, he was kind of no. trying to scratch our, scratch our, he was like, yeah, but sometimes they are, you know, he was being humble about it, but like, they're not <laughs> and, uh, okay. occasionally, all o- occasionally we have some bad things happen in an arena. So yeah. there is, there is a chance. Absolutely. The but, chances are much higher for a Marine, an SF guy, green beret seal team six. But the thought process of like having to control your emotions underneath the the weight of that fight of that fight to me is so intriguing. Like dude, CQB like clo- like clearing a room to me blows my mind when I think about it. Having read all these books and listening to these guys like go around a corner and i since I talked to him, every time I've nodded my head out of the shoot, I cannot help but think about that conversation with him. Every single time yeah. I think about that conversation I had with him. Anyhow, I was it's it's kind of a specific thing.
2: No, and it's 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 definitely got its similarities and, and like you were saying, though the stakes aren't quite as you know, being you know, doing both um. and having been injured worse in the arena than I was, <laughs> you know, kicking indoors and, you know, doing urban warfare type stuff. Um, I don't know. It's like the... With rodeo, you kind of... Even though it's out of control, you have the ability to control it a little bit more. But when you're going into when you're going into that scenario there's more fear of the unknown like cuz you have no idea what's going to be around that corner and so when you're in the shoot on a horse yeah you probably don't know exactly what that horse or bull or whatever is going to do but, but he ain't going to be a, wearing a
0: suicide vest no and you
2: <laughs> you got a pretty good idea he can only do a couple different things when you bust into a house or in a room yeah, anything in the whole entire world could happen. The whole house could blow up. Yeah.
0: The stakes
1: are high for you, but the stakes are just as high for the other side in the opposite way. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So yeah, That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Um, It has, especially, so like I've, I've gotten on a couple of Bronx here at the house and I got a golden gun. Do you remember hammer cocked or grab your gun? Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So this is a sibling to those two. Um, Gets it on the first two, feels the first two jumps. She feels like those other horses for two jumps. Well, then she's done and she's just kind of a hopper. You need to come get on her. Yeah. But um, so like whenever I get on her, I'm really trying to focus on the first jump. Just hold my mark out for one, just one and then spur the first jump. Yeah. I mean, the the you, you know, you hold your mark out for one, and then 95% of the bronc riders in the PRCA can, you know, D up the first jump and then spur the rest. But it's just cool to see, you know, Stetson, Jacobs, that caliber yep. of bronc rider, mark out, then they're spurring. Yep. There is no D and up, waiting to see what it's going to feel like. Yeah.
1: When you're so. watching, it, it's, it's, it's an obvious thing. Like when they hit them that next jump after they pulled their mark out on their terms – and reached Correct. back up there and grabbed them. It's a whole different game to watch.
0: Yeah. And <clears throat> matter of fact, I told Carson today, like he's wanting to be a bronc rider, and I was like, "Well, you need to work on holding him for two, because what's what most guys do is they get their mark out and then they they they, get, they d up for a jump. Yeah. And then they get to spurring. They try to find that rhythm. Well, you might as well just hold them for two, then spur, because it'll make you look like you're in more control. But if you're not going to hold them for two, you need to spur the first jump the, or the second jump, you know, mark out first jump, spur the second jump. So anyhow, what I'm trying to work on is controlling my emotions enough and, and being quick enough to mark out the first jump, pull them, send them. And there's no downtime of like Ding up for a jump to wait and see what it's going to feel like. But it just, and so that's what I'm thinking about is like, you know, you clear a room you go around a corner and if you don't execute the fundamentals yeah with your training with how you handle your weapon then it's game
2: over there's no hesitation and and at the same time there's no if you think m- much in the same in the Ruststalk events if you think that you're going to think about it in the middle of a ride it's the same thing there's no thinking you got to You've got to. it's got to be instincts. So you've oh, got man. to have, and that's where that training comes in and that's why you do a year's workup of training before you ever go into a, you know, special operations capable type deal or you do two years of training or however much training you do so you can get that muscle memory, you know, because when you go into that situation, that's the last thing you want to do is be thinking. It's the same thing with rodeo. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, rough stock events, if you, the more horses you get on, the more you're going to figure it out. I, it just turns into muscle memory then. Sam, I heard, go ahead.
1: I, I started a really good ride one time, you know, and and like Markout was good, you know, went right to Spur and like it, it felt really good, you know. and about six seconds I got bucked off and uh, I went back over to the chutes and Sam Sprebro grabbed me and he goes, you went to thinking about how good you were riding that horse. And that's exactly what happened is yeah. I was, I was reacting. I was utilizing muscle memory and what, everything that I'd been working on at the time. And then as soon as I had him and went to thinking about, Ooh, I need to set my feet a little
0: higher, you know, it's probably a bucker got bucked off, yeah. you know, it was probably a bucker and you were handling him. But then the moment you didn't handle him and you thought about it, the moment you were thinking about
1: it. He was still bucking. Exactly. Yeah. He wasn't, he hadn't turned into that hopper at the end of the ride yet. You know,
0: were you with me the night I was going to win Liberty in the Bronx ride? Hands down, I was about to win it. Got to the fence, and they, that song came on, I Can't Feel My Face When I'm With You. And I was like, they never play that <laughs> during the Bronco. Boom, bucked off. <laughs> thousand percent. Like, I remember... In like the middle yesterday. of the ride? Yeah. They started playing it? Well, you know how, like, they'll start... Uh, yeah, they'll start they'll, with they'll, the song, then like a, and then they'll switch it. as soon as the gate opens, they'll switch it. Yeah. And so, like, same thing. Like, first... Five seconds of the ride, like I'm handling my Bronc. And uh, a 78 won it. Like I know without a shadow of a doubt, like yeah. I was riding good right then. And I can't feel my face. Like, like they don't play that during the Bronc mm. on my head, which mm. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. But I just thought about it. And uh, he kind of got to the fence and he was still bucking, but he was kind of changed leads. Yeah, oh, I was so upset. So upset. Man, just because I knew I was tapped off, you know. Yeah. there are
1: No redos. No one shoots you, but there's still not yeah, a redo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> one of them, one of those books was talking about. They're so they're they're so mixed up in my head. Which books is you know who said that, what? If,
2: yeah. If you read a lot of them, I would imagine they start so mixing up. together.
0: But um, it sounded like early in the war, like they had no idea how much urban warfare they were going to be doing. You were you guys were going to be doing, and so like. A lot of yeah. that clearing houses stuff, it was very little training. Whereas towards the end, you know,
2: well, we started. I mean, they have a they have an urban warfare training center there at Camp Pendleton. So we, um, they'd send us in there, and and what they what they did, it's kind of like paintballs, but they switch out your upper receiver, and it's called sim rounds. So you're shooting a, you're firing a. A five-five-six cartridge, but it has a paint round in the end of it, and so, but but we're but you're shooting at each other, you know, and these suckers freaking hurt. I and bet. And so, but we're going, you know, so we did a lot of that stuff before we went into um, before we went like on the first initial deal. But um,
0: how close were you to going to Afghanistan rather than Iraq? Because you were.
2: I don't know because I, so we never, so when I came back from my first tour um, from Iraq, that was that first initial invasion and everybody knew that at some point we were all going to go back. We just didn't know in what capacity. To Iraq or Afghanistan? Was Iraq because when we left, you know, other units came in and relieved us to, to, to stay there. Yeah, to maintain. To maintain. So we knew at some point we were probably gonna have to go back to do nothing else but just make sure everything stays maintained. And so when we got back, the unit that I was with, they pretty much said, Okay, you know, like y'all start getting ready to go back in nine months to a year. So that was when I, you know, chose to go the, the Marine Expeditionary Unit route. And so I guess there was kind of a chance then to go to Afghanistan. But, you know, for whatever reason, things didn't happen the way it was supposed to plan to be happened in Iraq. So then we just ended up going back to Iraq. So I don't know, but I there was never a time where I remember anybody saying, hey, your unit's going to Afghanistan. And I don't even, to think about it, Looking back, I don't remember what units got sent to Afghanistan and what units got sent to Iraq. I wonder how they decided yeah, that. I don't know. I don't know.
1: How how much different was it going the second time than the first time as far as, like, you know, you kind of know what you have an experience to go off of versus going for the first time? What's the difference in the feeling the second time versus the first time?
2: So the second time... You have that combat experience, so you kind of know what to expect as far as um, combat situations, the enemy you're facing, um, what kind of scenarios you might deal with. You don't know for certain, but you kind of have an idea, a better idea. um, And then you just have that. It's like... It's like a fifth-year senior quarterback playing in the SEC that's been there for you know like up against a freshman that's straight out of high school. Like it's it's kind of like if you've never seen those kinds of things happen, it's hard to know how to react to them. So once you've once you've experienced it, then you you can react to them better without thinking about it. Um, and I think. The biggest difference um, for the second time is that we were kind of more mechanized, like we had more, we had more experience, more fighting power, more amenities, more, you know, technology and different stuff like that. So it was way different. It was like on that first initial invasion, it was like bare bones, just go in there and get it done. And the second time we had more tools. Yeah. So well, you said it was a little bit better.
0: We talked about this on a previous podcast, and you talked about how the first time, like the first time you got shot at, dropped the Amtrak deal, y'all run out, y'all getting shot at. Yeah, like nobody with you guys had ever been to combat.
2: Nobody knows because it was so
0: soon after nine eleven. Like nobody, yeah. like you got maybe some guys that had been like around during the cold. Or Desert Storm. Desert Storm, Cold War. Cold War. I I was about to say Cold War. All them books are running together. (laughs) Books
2: running together during Desert Storm. But But yeah, the Desert Storm guys at that time were old. Right. I mean, so that that was in 91.
0: Like, even somebody having gotten shot at once, maybe if they didn't even pull the trigger, like they would have, they would be, you know, in the land of the blind, one eyed man is king. Yeah. But, um, so I bet that was a big, because now like I was talking to on Marxist podcast, you know, he shouldn't have gave me his number. I'll tell you that. Like <laughs> anytime, you know, cause like I'll text him, like if I'm wanting to know about this country or that country or whatever, like, I'll be like, what do you think about, you know? And he's like, no, we're fine. Don't worry about it. But I was like, dude, I feel like if something was going to go down, I want it to happen now. Rather than in fifteen years, twenty years after peace, because like right now, there's some killers still, still in, yeah, still enlisted, yeah, like active. There's like there's some people. Like I went over to (coughs) Fort Benning and got opportunity to shoot guns over there and hang out with some guys. Like I was talking to one guy, eleven tours, and that's that's he's training, you know, people with small arms like he was he's uh not people with small arms like me small arms as in like a pistol or a rifle you know <laughs> um but he's training these guys like that's who's training the next generation a guy with 11 tours yeah like there's no telling what he's seen and he's molding the, this this next generational warfighter
2: yeah I mean it's so there there's like makes a big difference there's bullfighters that rodeo all kind, bareback
0: riders Bull riders, bronc riders, that, like, we've all seen them. Maybe, maybe they had the fire. Maybe they had the fight at one time, but now they're just, like, they've not yet quit, but it's not there. Their
1: name shows up on the day
0: sheets, but no, they don't I'm come. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm not talking about they don't want They – they'd rather hang out with their kids. I'm talking about, like, there's a new level of, like, fear there. Yeah. Which is okay, and I'm yeah. not knocking it. At all, no, but yeah. it, dude, it I, changes it, your different perspectives some, that there, you have. It a hundred percent morally, absolutely nothing wrong with it. But there's a different level of fight there. Anyhow, just like in, I'm sure over there, like where you have you find yourself in amongst some people where it's like, all right, we were here. This is a much more real than what I thought it was going to be. I wanted to have done this. Not, I enjoy doing this. You see what I'm saying? You understand the difference? Like, I think there's a lot of people, like, I would love to have a picture on a bull. I don't want to be on the bull. Yeah. Like, I I want to have ridden the bull rather than ride the bull. But I think, like, there's people right now, like, 11 tours, and I'm sure you know some self, some people. I think you were probably one of them where it's like, you enjoy the actual fight. Like, I think there's... (coughs) And I bet you can see it. I bet you can sense it. You have to be able to see it. When
2: you, you can, there's a certain level of that too, you know, not necessarily like you want to go get shot at, but at the same time, you now have the experience, the expertise level. You're very good at it. You can handle yourself in that situation. And so maybe you, you know, you almost want to take, because I still have ideas in my mind at 40 years old. I still have ideas in my mind. Like if something went down, like I'm ready to roll, you know, but obviously, you know, there's, you know, 21 year old guys right now that could whip my ass. But at the same time, when you get that expertise, though, you get those experiences. Sometimes you want to, not necessarily, not necessarily relive them, but like be back in that capacity of, because it's, it's a very few, I guess it's a very few amount of people, I in the world, I imagine that have done those kinds of things, and and you know even going back to. <clears throat> Wars in the past, like you know, you find old old veterans and stuff now that have, I mean, they've gone through, through some heavy stuff, just killers. And yeah, and I'm sure that in the back of their mind, they're still like, yeah, give me a, you know, something. let me go yeah. out and in, right. in style, you know. And I think a lot of it is we get that way in rodeo too, and it's something that that I'm kind of trying to deal with a little bit right now is like so in my riding is not at a level that I want it to be anymore because mentally some things have changed for me and physically some cha- things have changed for me at 40 I got to do some things different to try to keep up I mean these got these kids now that are 18 they're freaking killing it they're made yeah. I mean they're spurring the dog out of horses At 17, 18, 19 years old, like when I was 19, I was, yeah, I was headed to Marine Corps boot camp, which is something that's somewhat similar to that. But I'm not sure at 19 that I would have had the mental capacity to spur the dog out of a bareback horse. But you still have a
1: skill set that so few of the people have in the world. You know what I mean? Like, like there's some, you're, you're not probably, none of us are probably going to strap onto a horse tomorrow and go be, you know, top level competitive against those kids that are working that hard and doing it every day, et cetera. Yeah. Even if even if I was still doing it, it would have been, you know, it's it's still hard to do that. Uh, but then when you when you zoom out a little bit, there may not be 500 people in the world that have real bronc riding experience at the level that we have it. Right? So yeah. you're yeah. not competitive. There's nowhere to use your skill set but it's still the top you know 0.1% of the world as far as who knows how to do that thing yeah yeah so it it kind of turns into a, what do you what do you do with it you know
2: yeah. yeah when it's the same thing with the the combat stuff and that's why i think so many combat veterans come out and have issues because that's those are skills that you can't get right. doing anything else besides that one thing and you Obviously we'll never get the op- I say the opportunity, but like you'll never be put in a situation where you can legally kill somebody for a living anymore. I can't you imagine know, like just you,
0: the just the adrenaline rush, even if the room is empty. You go yeah. around the corner like, dude, you're your well, boot, boots on, you're ready to to kill or be killed. The adrenaline rush going around the corner every night. Now all of a sudden you get back and you're you're out, and it's just like, well, I guess I'll go get groceries. Yeah. You yeah, know, look,
2: <laughs> it's like when I, I've told you this before. I mean, dogs get shot. Chick, I shot a chicken one time flying across the room, you know, like in combat, not at the house. Yeah. yeah in yeah, combat. Yeah, not like, back in the States. You, you know. kick in a door, and a freaking chicken flies across the room, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, sorry, buddy. Yeah, that scared eggs. me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what Mike. This, this guy that 11 tours, Mike Wittick, he said, he said when he got out and was, you know, done with his 11 tour, he, um, he had to start lifting weight. And this dude is big, jacked, you know, very low body fat. But he's like, I had to take that energy somewhere. And so I decided to go to the gym with it. And that gave me that one or two hours a day where he could release that energy and, and that just kind of come off of this high of clearing rooms every day. Yeah. yeah I can't imagine the transition for and and guys that are in there for 20 years right like even know? even a
1: position that utilizes those skills or 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 would need those skills on a resume say like a a bodyguard or a, a security or something like that you're you're still not utilizing the skill set that you were using you're just... There in case you need them, but you don't, right? You know right. what I mean. Like you're you're just there in case something happens.
2: So. Well, it's just, uh, I, I'm I imagine it would be, um, a lot of like you know SWAT team stuff too. But like, I'm I'm assuming obviously I don't know because I've never been in that scenario. But in a SWAT team scenario, I would think that something might pop off once a month. I could be mistaken there, you know, maybe twice a month and you don't necessarily. And I think the difference of it is that, or some of the differences that I would have with it is that it would be like if you're in SWAT at the city of Houston for, you know, Houston PD, like that's your home city. You're essentially going to take down some of your home people. completely different. Americans, like. Yeah people that you might have grown up with at school
0: there should be a lot less angst yeah. about the fight right there probably is like well yeah i
1: mean it, that arena was a controlled environment when you turned that corner you know if something happened there was a bunch of people there focused to help you yeah well if you were clearing a room over here and something went south then you may not be in a good area but Sooner or later, you're going to get to a friendly area Mm -hmm. over there. Where's the friendly area? There's no no friendly area. Yeah. You make your own friendly. area. Yeah. I I don't know anything about what we're talking about. I'm just saying, you know, those are things. Yeah, You have to
2: make your own friendly area. And there's, (coughs) you know, you have your, you have your fallback zones and your, you know, QRFs. Yeah. You have your, your spots where if a whole bunch of crap goes down and everything gets scattered and. Everybody's scattered to the wind. Then, you know, you get on the radio and say, "Go back to, you know, to Point Zulu or whatever you, yeah. you know, like." And and everybody heads back to that one spot. Which we had to do that a couple times. But and so when everybody gets back and everybody's accounted for, well, then everybody's good again. You reconvene and go back doing what you were doing before. Um, but I would assume. You know. You know, like you know, if you were in SWAT or something, like you could um, you could go to the next door neighbor's house and be fine. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Just and walk not, down and the not street. downplaying any of that. No. You know, like no. That. I, it's just a. I it think is it's different. A completely, it's got to be different. B-O-O-O-O. And a
0: SWAT person would know. I mean, like, yeah, walk to the next house. It's an American yeah. Just say, "Hey, I'm on SWAT." They're back. Like, oh. Would you like some food? You know, yeah. and
2: I bet a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys that are in those SWAT teams have been in a combat situation in in the United States military. Man, I mean, also to like, go from that to, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the difference in like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna clear this block today, and then this block tomorrow, and then this is what you're gonna do for the five day week that we're doing this thing. Other yeah. than like you said,
2: two or three. Times a month. Or this is what you're going to you know, do I, from October 15th to Christmas.
1: Right. Like, that's way different yeah. than <laughs> this is something that could happen and you're who's prepared to do it, mm-hmm. It would, I would think.
2: I rewatched watched
0: uh, Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been 20 years. I didn't realize. It came out like a month after 9-11. The
2: movie came out? Yeah, the time? movie. Yeah, because, I mean, the yeah.
0: actual incident happened a long time ago. But yeah. then, like, the movie came out, like... Right after nine eleven, and rewatching it, but the the one thing that really got me was the uh the the second helicopter that went down, and then another helicopter is flying over them, and these two Delta guys were like, "Hey, drop us off so we can go help these pilots, make sure they're all right." And they were like, "We drop you off, and you're dead." And they were like, "Permission denied." They're like, "No, we want to go." And they're like, "All right, but you understand."
2: Then if
0: we drop you. This is it. This is it. Like, we drop you off, like, you're probably not getting picked up. And they're like, yeah, let's. And sure enough, you know, they got overran, but then the pilot survived. But And they both got medals of honor, you know, afterwards. But just that moment in the helicopter, like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Those guys, welcome to the fight. Yeah. You know, and they're Delta. They're tip of the spear. Like you would expect, you should expect something like that out of them. But like, if they were, if they were, bullfighters, bull riders, like that's the that's a JB Mooney of like welcoming not only the fight of a bull, but like bushwhacker. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like somebody that's hungry for bronc meat. Bring it on. Like a Cody Webster of bullfighting. Yeah. no, if cameras are off, if there's no photographer, I'll still do it. Like yeah. it this we're not here for the gram, yeah. you know. That's the the but that that's what makes me I cannot not think about it when I'm on the back of the shoots. After having that conversation with him when he made that analogy, it's gonna happen. You we once you nod your head, there will be a fight, and you yeah. have to remove your emotions and execute the fundamentals. Or you die. Uh,
1: that's why I was asking about what's a different feeling the first time to the second time, you know, because I, I I could see that you know you have yeah. a built up confidence because you know what's what it's going to be a little bit, but you you at least have an experience to go off of, etc. But you also know what to expect, so there there's there's some level of fear that can come in too. You know, you you have the confidence from being on that that bronc that you have that you know what it's going to feel like but you also have the fear of knowing what it's going to feel like on yeah that. that's true you know I mean, like getting yeah. on the, the first couple you know would you well, the horse that you were talking about that that took the rig into the face you know oh yeah so you you get on her you know you, you you're riding so much better six months later and you draw her again you have more confidence overall in general but then you also know what it felt like last time you got on her yeah. you know so yeah I think, you know, is, is how, how or does even
0: that. maybe the opposite, like and I think whenever I got on, uh, crap, what's that? Uh, Apache, the freaking horse, uh, Mo Betis horse. Now I can't Sioux. remember. Horses. Sioux city, Sioux <laughs> and, uh, amazing ride in, in Apache. And then like a month later in Rosenberg, new season, same horse and rode great in Apache. But then in, and you know, same exact horse and Rosenberg, and I get two jumped because you know it's like, oh well, I've accomplished this level. Yeah,
1: let me try to ride her a little better. Now I'm going to do
0: this, but <laughs> like, and that's what I tell these interns: like, it's not a video game where once you complete level one, you press pause, you come back the next day, now you're on level two. Like, yeah. you have to start over every ride. Like, you have to go back to the fight every time. And we all try to do it like, well, now I'm going to work on turning my toes out yeah. more. Now I'm going to yeah. work on, you know, and yeah. then you set your rein. down. What happened? Well, you were what? working on
1: turning your toes out. So they were out when you come over overhead. Exactly. Because <laughs> you weren't working on riding.
2: There. And that's stuff that you can do. You can work on stuff at the house, on the spur board, or on the machine, or maybe on practice horses if you know what you're getting on, but the rodeo is not the time to to work on stuff in yes, my mind, a hundred percent. Yeah, rodeo's not the time to to work on stuff. The time to work on stuff is back at the house on the spur board, bucket machine with the sims, with, with the, the paintball bullets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the time to work on stuff. When you get into combat, the the work's already been done. Whatever work that you have not done is gonna show.
0: Yeah. What is it? Uh That's what one thing the DJ was saying. You you fall to the level of your training. You don't rise to the level of the occasion, you fall to the level of your training.
2: Yeah, yeah. if you if you're not prepared, two thing one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to get killed or you won't get everybody else killed. One of the two. Damn. So you That's have heavy. to prepare not only like it's your life, but all your brothers around you like yeah. You want to be you don't want to be the best. You don't want to be the best there for you, you want to be the best there for everybody. And everybody needs to strive to be that same level. Yeah. You know.
1: Rising to the occasion is such a weird concept that it's even a saying. You know what I mean? Like in in explain that out uh, in a way that it's possible. Like in a controlled environment when you had everyone working with you when you were slowing everything down. You weren't really to this level, but when everything gets shaken up and you can't see up, you'll 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 rise to the occasion. Yeah. The it's like, only, well, uh,
0: the I mean, divine intervention, yeah, a, a okay. miracle. Yeah, that's the yeah. only way it could happen. Yeah. A miracle. Yeah. Your enemy trips and falls. Yeah, in front of you, like stumbles over a block, and then you're able to just like some sort of miracle. That'd be yeah. the only way. That'd be yeah. the only. Way. But you can't. You can't. You can't plan for that.
1: I was taking flying lessons, and uh, my my instructor, you know, he's we set up a solo flight from Huntsville to Lufkin. Okay, so it's my first trip. I'm going to go land at another airport. I'm going to, you know, go in. They sign my book. I'm going to fly back. Well, he told me, he said, look, you have to – it's done by the hours, so if you get back too soon, you know, fly around a little bit, because if not, it has to be on a cross country. You'd have to – if you need, like, five more minutes to – round out your time, you have to fly all the way back to Lufkin and back, you know, so, you know, watch your time, so I got back a little early, and instead of doing touch and goes, and staying in the pattern at the airport, I went and flew over a friend's house to take a picture of it, you know, and looked down, and my gauges were looking funny, well, my vacuum pump had failed, and I'd lost two of the six gauges, well, now my heart starts racing faster, and I reach over, and I pull um, the, the standby vacuum, but I didn't, I pulled the alternate static. And so then the pedo tube killed three more of my gauges because turns out there was something wrong with my alternate. Yeah. All I had to do was shove the alternate back in and those three gauges would have came back alive and then tried my vacuum. But I there was no rising to any occasion. I didn't get this amazing, you know, oh, I've been doing this forever and know exactly what to do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out, you know. And so my airspeed starts climbing real high, but I don't know any of these problems are happening. I haven't, I, I don't know why my gauges don't work. I just know my gauge doesn't work and now more don't work. I'm, I'm fixing to lose even, you know, the last one's gone, but um, I'm looking out the window, seeing how slow I'm flying, but my airspeed is climbing higher than I've ever seen it. You know, the, this period of time that I've been flying. So I mean, I'm high in yellow. I'm getting to where I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm fixing to get to red. Now we've got airframe issues. And so I'm trimming to try to slow down, and I, I hit the end of my trim. And, I, and that's when it kicked in, like, okay, this, this is wrong. Like, you're going to stall the plane. And so I, I retrimmed, and I just decided not to look at any gauges and land the plane. And I, I went down, and I was like, George, something, you know, something happened. And, and you know, he kind of got concerned and went out there. We went over to the mechanic. The mechanic's like, yeah, you got a dirt daubers nest in your backup. If you, you know, whatever it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> you think I got a janky boat? It's much better than a janky plane. <laughs> so, um, but he said, Hey, it's okay. Your training kicked in. That's why I make you do like I, we don't do a Lufkin cross country and then you do it on your own and then do a, a you know Georgetown College station was a long cross country and then we flew to Sugarland at night but before you fly to Sugarland and back at night with them as cross country he takes you up in the traffic pattern flies at night and he you turn off all the lights like you had an electrical failure and you don't get to use any of your lights. So he said, Look, you did it in the dark with no gauges. Then your training kicked in. And you could do it in the daylight with no gauges. But I wasn't thinking about any of that. I didn't stop and go, Well, yeah. hang on. I did it without gauges. And, you know, it's just I fell all the way down. Like I didn't do any of that other stuff that I'd read about or thought about. I fell all the way down to that training. So, like, I've never heard that, but that's exactly what it was. There was no, there was no like spectacular thing of rising to anything or, you know, this stuff falling out of the air. It yeah. was just fall back down to your training and get it done.
0: Otherwise it's luck, which I don't believe in. So, you know, it's just like, maybe it just happens to, yeah. You just hoping for a miracle. Yeah. Otherwise, which they do occasionally happen, but like, yeah, but you don't have time to hope for one. You need to focus on
1: whatever training you've got
0: to use it. You can't plan around a miracle. Yeah. You gotta, especially if it's something you know you're going to go do, but life advice. That's how we wrap these up. What do you got?
1: Man, just be real clear about whatever's going on and what however you're experiencing it. instead of trying to figure out how it's gonna sound or anything like that. What do you mean? Well, like if we're, you know, working on something <laughs> in our job or business or sales or writing or anything else, you know, it's like we want to sound the best that we can so that they'll trust us long enough to, you know, hire us at whatever, or, or trust that we know so much or, you know, or that we're there that we want, we want the person we're working with to be confident in who we are, you know, and, and that, yeah. that they're in the right spot and just be super open and honest about like the, these are hard things that we're doing and there's no playbook. This is what I'm experiencing. You know, can, what do you have? How do you feel about it? Can you help with what you know how to do or whatever? And, and, Act like we're all on the same team about what we're going through instead of taking so much and keeping it in and you'll fix it later.
2: What do you got? I think I'm going to kind of spin off the whole fear thing. I think, you know, everybody has fear. It's part of life. And what you do with the fear is the biggest thing on whether you're going to be successful on something or not successful there's essentially, I think, you can. There's two things you can do with it. You can either panic or you can act and do something, use it to your advantage and strive to always use the fear for your advantage. Never get in panic mode.
0: Yeah. Well, that's heavy coming from a former Marine with combat tours on his spell. <laughs> Mine. One I said earlier today, I did a podcast for Rock and Roll Denim, and uh, I was in a uh, retirement home, old folks home, and I was playing cards with Jane and um, an older lady named Beryl, which I thought was a cool name, and and, uh, one of them gave Beryl a hard time because of her breath or something, (laughs) and Beryl said, well, bad breath is better than no breath. (laughs) (laughs) and i thought that was kind of like fear coming from a you know marine i thought that was interesting coming from a a lady in an old folks home retirement community bad breath is better than no breath well thank you for listening this episode of rodeo time if you're interested if you're in the huntsville area and need somewhere to stay look up the grounds of huntsville a lot of units out here they've got horse stalls they've got an arena jeremy built it from the ground up And um, check us out. DaleBrisby.com. Pow, pow, and on to the next one.